Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this week's version of the House January 6th committee heard some uh, provocative testimony about Donald Trump's <laughs> efforts to reverse the results of the 2020 presidential election. Results that he had been told by many of his closest, closest advisors that he had lost. And then he tried some stuff to uh, reverse that, as I say. Well, that all started earlier. It started before the election. On your uh, ballots, if you get the unsolicited ballots, send it in and then go make sure it counted. And if it doesn't tabulate, you vote. You just vote. And then if they tabulated very late, which they shouldn't be doing, they'll see you voted and so it won't count. So send it in early and then go and vote. And if it's not tabulated, you vote and the vote is going to count. You can't let them take your vote away. These people are playing dirty politics. Dirty politics. So if you have an absentee ballot, or as I call it, a solicited ballot, you send it in. But I would check it in any event. I would go and follow it and go vote. Well, that's a way to affect the election. Have your people vote twice. Hello, welcome to the show. sense it almost 
almost rhymes if you know what's good for you. Vote two times. If the post office was a business, it would go down the tubes. You can't see the figures, they're more hidden than pubes. Who knows if your ballot will even get out the door? So play it safe. Go vote once more. Playing it safe is playing it smart. Upset the cheaters, apple cart. Just vote two times to tell the world you are free. Vote two times like me. Yeah, vote two times like me. If you're voting for Sleepy Joe, you're some kind of dunce. So you're fine voting once. From Santa Monica, California, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this, this, this one right here, the edition of the show. And now... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by No Ebersol Ever. Well, it's kind of not news, and yet it kind of is. The uh, Tokyo Olympics cost double their original estimate. According to the Associated Press, the final price tag for last year's COVID-delayed Tokyo Olympics was $13 billion, the organizing committee said this week, in its final act before it dissolves at the end of the month. Just like a like an Alka-Seltzer. The cost was twice what was forecast in 2013 when the games were awarded to Tokyo. But the final price tag, you'll be glad to know, is lower than the $15.4 billion they predicted when the Olympics ended last year. Quote, we made an estimate. The estimate has gone down lower than we expected, said the Tokyo Organizing Committee CEO Toshiro Muto, as a total amount, whether this is huge or not, when it comes to that kind of talk, it is not easy to evaluate, unquote. The one-year delay added to the difficulty of tracking Olympic costs, and is recent fluctuations in the exchange rate between the U.S. dollar and the Japanese yen. Well, then use Bitcoin next time, folks. That'll solve everything. Victor Matheson is a sports economist at Holy Cross, who's written extensively on the Olympics. He and a fellow American, Robert Bade, Bade, researched Olympic costs and benefits in a study called Going for Gold, the economics of the Olympics. They wrote that the overwhelming conclusion is that in most cases, quote, the Olympics are a money-losing proposition for host cities, They result in positive net benefits only under very specific and unusual circumstances. Unquote. The um, Japanese CEO of the Olympic Committee said there were savings because of the absence of fans. 
That cut down on security costs and venue maintenance costs. But organizers lost at least $800 million in income from ticket sales because of the lack of fans. Japanese government entities, primarily the government of Tokyo, covered about 55% of the total expenses. This amounted to about $7.1 billion in money from the Japanese taxpayer. And the Spanish Olympic Committee has officially scrapped the Pyrenees-Barcelona bid for the 2030 Winter Olympic and Paralympic Games. No agreement was reached between the governments of Aragon and Catalonia following weeks of infighting. That should be an Olympic sport. Issues have included disagreements over whether, where different sports should be held. Catalina's pro-independence government also didn't want to include Aragon. Some suggested the event could negatively impact the Pyrenees mountain range due to climate change. The uh, Spanish Olympic Committee confirmed earlier this month the project would be axed if both regions could not come to a consensus. Even though it's a, it's a movement. And we all need one. Every day! And now, news of America's longest war. War's over, but the... Um, the accounting for it is still going on, and uh, we learned this week that State Department and USAID officials are refusing to provide information to the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, the SIGAR. That's information that's needed for multiple audits related to the fall of the Afghan government and the ensuing months of Taliban rule. That's what the watchdog wrote in a letter this week to the Secretary of State and the U.S. Aid Administrator. They have, in some cases, ignored the Inspector General's communications, declined to make officials available for interviews, and refused to permit the watchdog to travel internationally to conduct on-the-ground research. He, the CIGAR, needs this information from multiple reviews related to, among other things, Kabul's, Kabul's collapse in August 2021, the transfer of funds to the Taliban, and humanitarian programs in support of the Afghan people, said the Inspector General, John Sopko. State Department would not make staff available for interviews about the settlement of Afghan refugees and the conditions they faced during their escape from the country. He's most concerned, is the Special Inspector General, by state and USAID's refusal to provide, quote, basic information about the audit concerning efforts to ensure that, to ensure that aid programs supporting the Afghan people do not lead to the illegal transfer of taxpayer dollars to the Taliban or the Haqqani network. Historically, state and USAID officials have supported SIGAR's mission, Sopko wrote, inexplicably this long track record of cooperation seems to have abruptly ended. Agency officials now appear to have adopted a premeditated position of obstruction. Unquote. State Department officials 
asked by Politico for comment, said that um, Seagar's jurisdiction is limited to, quote, reconstruction purposes, unquote, which does not include humanitarian and other development assistance. See, they're using his, his title against him. We have had concerns, the State Department people say, about how some of Seagar's requests for information relate to their statutory jurisdiction. State Department spokesperson said Seagar's most recent report on the collapse of the Afghan forces, a report which blasted both President Biden and former President Trump for withdrawing from the country, quote, does not reflect the consensus view of the State Department or of the U.S. government for that matter, unquote. Seagar did not ask the State Department for input on the report or give the department an opportunity to review the draft before it was finalized, as is the usual process, according to the State Department spokesperson. Many parts of the U.S. government, including the State Department, have unique insights into developments in Afghanistan last year that were not captured in the report, added the State Department spokesperson. Thus he spoke. But Sopko, the Inspector General, stressed in his letter to the State Department and USAID that officials are prohibited by law from obstructing his oversight work. He implored Secretary of State Blinken and USAID Chief Samantha Power to direct their officials to, quote, cease their illegal obstruction of SEGAR's oversight work. State and USAID have told SEGAR that activities involving humanitarian assistance do not pertain to reconstruction and are outside of the Inspector General's jurisdiction. He says since 2008, he's reported on such programs in Afghanistan, noting that no federal agency has challenged that oversight until now. And speaking of inspectors general, a top general in the California National Guard violated government rules by having subordinates ferry his mother on a shopping trip, perform other personal errands for him, and complete a part of his cybersecurity training. Yeah, that's it's hard and it's boring. And a second general allegedly made anti-Semitic and homophobic remarks, including that Jews are unrepentant sinners, and that gay marriage is a reason terrorists attack the United States. And a colonel serves as a guard finance officer and had been recommended for promotion to general, has been charged with exposing himself to three women in a restaurant. You can't be a general if you're doing that. That's colonel work. These are among the latest embarrassing episodes to tarnish the guard, beset in recent years by allegations of cover-ups and retaliation against whistleblowers. This is the result of an L.A. Times. There's an L.A. Times investigation based on guard documents and interviews. Current and former Guard members say there's a widespread perception in the organization that high-ranking officers who engage in misconduct are protected from significant discipline. Quote, when these things happen, the higher-ups cover for each other, and without public exposure of these things, there would be absolutely no real punishment. That's 
The words, those are the words of Dan Woodside, a retired guard major and fighter pilot who has publicly criticized the organization's leadership. We, he said, need an overhaul of the entire system. Other allegations of misconduct include a captain allegedly referred to a Latino sergeant as a lazy Mexican and harassed an African-American soldier because he was a Black Lives Matter guy. Another captain had been accused of asking a Jewish soldier if cigar ashes were his, quote, relatives, unquote. Both captains, in addition to all that, allegedly falsified physical fitness certifications for God members. A wing commander for the air side of the guard faces complaints she used a military credit card to buy cleaning supplies for her dog and had underlings walk the dog at work. The vice wing commander at the same air station was grounded because of a drunk driving arrest. The guard told the Times all of the allegations are or were the subject of internal investigations. The major who's headed the guard throughout the years of scandal and turmoil wouldn't be interviewed. He reports to Governor Newsom he declined to comment. Major General Baldwin, about three years ago, removed the commander of the Air National Guard, Major General Clay Garrison, and made complaints that he had conducted reprisals against whistleblowers and allegations of a cover-up of misconduct that reached into the highest ranks of the organization. The complaints, which were disclosed by the Times, the Times wants you to know, focused on the leadership of the Fresno Air Base and included an alleged cover-up of an incident in which someone urinated in a female guard member's boots. Well, that's just good fun. Oh, he's got a fine brown frame I wonder what his name He looks good to me and all I can see is his fine brown frame. How long have you been around? Mister, where did you hit this big town? I want to scream because I've never seen such a fine brown frame. All that I have is a broken down chair. But I would gladly make him king of my throne Come over here, stop being square Together we can really be gone Oh, he's got a fine brown frame Honey, won't you tell me your name? You're solid with me And all I can see is your fine
always sounded like a good idea to me. Probably to you, too. Internet-connected hot tubs? Sure, why not? Because you you want to... You, you need to... Well, anyway, a security researcher found vulnerabilities in Jacuzzi's smart tub interface that allowed access to the personal data of every hot tub owner. Jacuzzi's smart tub feature. This is, by the way, from TechCrunch, a uh, technical website. Jacuzzi's smart tub feature, like most Internet of Things systems, lets users connect to their hot tub remotely by a phone app marketed as a personal hot tub assistant. We all need those. Users can make use of the app to control water temperature, switch on and off jets, and change the lights. But, see, this hacker came along, Eaton Zvara. He says this functionality could also be abused by threat actors to access the personal information of hot tub owners worldwide, including their names and email addresses. Unclear how many users are potentially impacted. The smart tub app has been downloaded more than 10,000 times on the uh, Google Play platform. The main concern, says the um, hacker, is their name and email being leaked. He says attackers could also potentially heat up someone else's hot tub or change the filtration cycles. Whoops! That would make things unpleasant the next time the person checked their tub, he says. But I don't think there's anything truly dangerous that could have been done. You have to do all the chemicals by hand, he says. He first noticed a problem when he tried to log in using the Smart Tub web interface, which uses third-party identity provider AuthO, 
not uh oh, auth o, and found the login page returned an unauthorized error. But for the briefest moment, he saw the full admin panel populated with user data flashing on his screen. There's information on that data, he says, for multiple brands and not just from the U.S. He finally got into the user, or sorry, the admin panel, the administrator panel. He says, once in the amount of data I was allowed to access was staggering. I could view the details of every spa, see its owner, and even remove their ownership. It would be trivial to create a script to download all user information. It's possible. It's already been done. He discovered a second admin panel, allowing him to view and modify the serial numbers of products, see a list of licensed hop-tub dealers, dealers and view manufacturing logs. He contacted Jacuzzi to alert them to the vulnerabilities. He received a response asking for more details. Three days later, one month of no further communication followed. And then, through the help of AuthO, they reached out to Jacuzzi and got it to shut down the vulnerable panel. Second panel was eventually fixed early this month, despite no formal acknowledgement from Jacuzzi that they have addressed the issues. Jacuzzi is um, incorporated in California, which has a data breach notification law and an Internet of Things security law. TechCrunch contacted Jacuzzi for comment. The company didn't respond. It was looking at its panels. Wow, this guy has a hot tub. In a settlement announced by the Department of Justice this week, Meta Platforms, formerly Facebook, has agreed to eliminate features in its advertising business that allow landlords, Tom, landlords, employers and credit agencies to discriminate against groups of people protected by federal civil rights laws. That deal comes nearly six years after it was first revealed through ProPublica that Facebook let housing marketers exclude African-Americans and others from seeing some of their ads. As you may know, federal law, at least right now, you never know what the Supreme Court's going to rule, but federal law prohibits housing, employment, and credit discrimination based on race, religion, gender, family status, and disability. But for years... ProPublica and other researchers showed that problems persisted in the delivery of ads related to housing, employment, and credit, even as Facebook pledged to fill the loopholes that were identified. This week's settlement was the result of a lawsuit brought three years by the Trump administration, alleging that Meta's ad targeting system violated the Fair Housing Act. The DOJ, under Trump, under Trump, also argued that Facebook used a machine learning algorithm to restrict and create ad audiences, which have the effect of skewing delivery toward or against legally protected groups. This was the first time the federal government challenged algorithmic bias under the Fair Housing Act. Meta agreed in the settlement to deploy new advertising methods that will be vetted by a third-party reviewer and overseen by the court. Civil rights attorney Peter Romer Friedman, who has brought several cases against the company, said that previous negotiations had tried and failed to hold Facebook accountable 
for algorithmic bias. Quote, ultimately what this shows, he says, is that it's never been a question of feasibility to eliminate algorithmic bias. It's a question of will. Facebook in 2016 promised to set up a system to catch and review ads that discriminate illegally. A year later, ProPublica found it was still possible to exclude groups such as African Americans, mothers of high school kids, people interested in wheelchair ramps, and Muslims from seeing certain ads. It was also possible, through Facebook, to target ads to people with an interest in anti-Semitism, including options such as, quote, how to burn Jews, quote, unquote, and, quote, Hitler did nothing wrong, unquote. Thanks, Mark. Check is in the mail. Now, what's Amazon up to? Some good. Uh, it was announced at an Amazon conference in Las Vegas this week, a new feature of the company's virtual assistant, Alexa. Rohit Prasad, head scientist for Alexa AI, described the tech as a means to build trust between human and machine. It would enable Alexa to, quote, make the memories last when so many of us have lost someone we love, unquote, during the pandemic. In an explanatory video, Amazon showed a child asking, Alexa, can Grandma finish reading me The Wizard of Oz? At which point the assistant's normally artificial voice shifted gears into a softer, more natural timbre. It's supposed, to convincing, it's supposed to convincingly sound like the kid's grandma. Scant detail was available as to when or even if the technology would become publicly available. Prasad, the head scientist for Alexa AI, said Amazon was able to train the system to mimic a voice based on about a minute of recorded dialogue. So users could potentially do this themselves at home. Now, if you've got at least a minute of the recording of the beloved deceased, why would you need to have it mimicked by a machine? If you wanted to be remembering your loved one, you could just play the recording. Unless you wanted to make sure he or she, the deceased loved one, said what you want. The field around AI-manipulated voice is growing, according to the Register, the English Tech Journal. Microsoft has its own take on voice mimicry, ostensibly to help restore impaired people's speech, but was concerned about the potential for abuse. The software could reproduce a voice based on a short sample, like Amazon. Yet it has remained in limbo for years, while Microsoft leaders wrestled with its ethical implications. Wouldn't you like to see video of that? Or deepfake? Well, any kind. The ethical implications being discussed at Microsoft. Australia's Competition and Consumer Commission has fined Samsung $9.6 million American for making misleading water resistance claims about 3.1 million smartphones. Commission says between 2016 and 2018, Samsung advertised its Galaxy, Galaxy Edge and Note smartphones as capable of surviving short submersions in the sea or in fresh water. 
The uh, Register, the tech journal from England, attended the Australian launch of the Note 8, watched on as it survived a brief dunking and bubbles appeared to emerge from within the device. Samsung claimed at the time the waterproofing reflected the aim of designing a phone that could handle Australia's outdoors lifestyle. The uh, commission, however, has labeled ads extolling water resistance as a feature of the phones misleading. Quote, we reviewed hundreds of complaints from consumers who reported they experienced issues with their Galaxy phones after they were exposed to water. And in many cases, they reported their Galaxy phone stopped working entirely, said the commission's chair. Well, that's not what they were advertising. The problem was not that the phones leaked. Rather, Samsung Samsung did not advise that if, if the phones were charged after a dunking, there was a, quote, material prospect, unquote. The charging port would become corroded and stop working. Says the uh, commission, prior to the launch of the Galaxy phone, Samsung was already seeking to mitigate the effects of this charging port corrosion. Despite this, Samsung Australia's marketing campaign promoted Galaxy phones being used in pools and seawater. While there remained a material prospect, the Galaxy phones would be damaged due to corrosion. And finally, nobody said the smart world wouldn't hurt. An international team of researchers conducted a study to uh, see what it's like to work in the metaverse. They put participants in VR headsets, virtual reality headsets, and took an inventory of their self-reported physical and mental states through a five-day, eight-hour-a-day period spent in headsets and a virtual office, this according to the Register. Participants were allowed to set their own work agendas, didn't perform standardized tasks, even still had trouble undertaking their tasks. Usability, frustration, anxiety, visual fatigue, motion sickness, and additional criteria were measured. The study reveals that, as expected, VR results in significantly worse ratings across most of these measures, according to the report. The uh, headsets were far from ideal. They were MetaQuest 2 sets. Instead of delivering the best possible experience, the team said they wanted to create a virtual environment that mimicked a physical keyboard-slash-monitor setup. Quote, we're well aware that with the current state of VR technology, working in VR will be demanding on the user, the researchers said. The study found increased frustration and anxiety Anxiety, lower perceived productivity, and a decrease in feelings of well-being. Two participants of the small study group, 16 people, had to quit the study after the first day due to nausea, migraines, and anxiety. Nearly half of the participants that stuck with the study reported eye strain as a result of wearing a VR headset for eight hours. Didn't hurt your head? Participants also reported lower usability scores and decreased typing speed. That's weird. The uh, same keyboard and trackpad combo was used in VR and during a week when participants worked without the headsets. The virtual monitor displayed in the experimental workplace was the same size as the physical one located in the test subject's 
real-world desks. Quote, the researchers, It is clear that there is still a long way to go for the development of more comfortable hardware. News of the smart, 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 smart world. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was only six years ago that Rupert Murdoch surprised the world by announcing that he was getting married to uh, the former mate of Rolling Stone's frontman Mick Jagger, a former model by the name of Jerry Hall. And uh, in his public statements, he was thrilled. Well, they call me the honky tonk foggy, but this geezer's getting ready to blow. I'm lighting up a major stogie. I'm rocking my world nice and slow. I got me a rock and roll woman. Then I had a kind of hair. I know I look glum, but she's under my thumb. Wild horses couldn't end this affair. Refined sugar. I know you're bad for me. Refined sugar. But you're my next destiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she had the height and the beauty. I had the power and greed. She said, can you give me shelter? I said, you can get what you need. She's a Siamese cat of a girl. I'm a man of wealth and taste. It's a drag getting old, but not to sound cold. My body's a terrible thing to waste. Refined sugar, I know you're bad for me. Refined sugar, I won't put you on page three. Silver. She makes a grown man cry in bed. She said when I gave her the diamond, keep fidelity in your head. I'll be like a little red rooster when we walk down the aisle arm in arm. We're honeymooning carriages when it comes to marriages. The fourth time. The charm. Refined sugar. I know you're bad for me. Refined 
Then this week, I think the New York Times was the first to report that Rupert Murdoch and Jerry Hall are getting divorced. No other details available right now. I'll keep on this. Well, I won't. I'll uh, look at it from time to time, as might you, as might an old friend of Rupert Murdoch. This week there were stories that... um, Former President Trump was miffed because he had been advised that Rupert Murdoch was starting a pivot in terms of his political affections from Trump to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, widely tipped to be the most probable opponent to Trump in the Republican Party, if Trump even bothered to run for president again. Of course, Rupert turned the the reins of the Fox News operation over to his eldest son, Lachlan, last year, while he was still married. But now, things may be changing. Keeping up with the Murdochs. So, lucky I uh, want to get the ratings trends for the hearings, but uh, how did the internal demographics look? Okay, that's all the bags. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Was, uh, w- was that her? Yep. She has uh, sucked her last pint of blood. <laughs> so, the demos. Um, I'd have to check on those. You, uh, you haven't been going this granular for a while. <laughs> yeah, I was distracted. Fortunately, the distraction had a prenup. <laughs> so, uh, get back to me on that stuff. Oh, sounds like you've got another call. All right, Junior. Don't let the place burn down. Hello? Rupert, it's Donald. I kept trying the other number, but uh, some woman kept answering. She sounded like she was uh, Texan and angry. Yeah, this is uh, my new number. I was uh, going to share it with you when... I got it from the girl. So listen, Rupert, what the hell is going on aside from the divorce, which I had to read about in the New York Times? What's with that? Your own paper couldn't get the scoop? That's sad. Uh, We were trying to uh, keep it uh, a bit hush-hush, so uh, the Times seemed the appropriate place to uh, leak it. Frankly, Donald, the uh, time had come in my life where I wanted to spend less time with my family. Gotcha. Cute twist. So look, you need some names? Names. You know, some hot chicks to uh, restir the pot. I got a freaking database full of them. Oh, I'm good. Uh, so, if there's uh, nothing else on your mind, What the I... hell is going on here? I remember a time not so long ago when you begged me to stay on the phone with you, when we'd spend much of the day just discussing the president. If I'm not mistaken, Don, that's when you were president. Right. So, that's what I called to talk about, Rupert. I'm, uh... I'm hearing from friends, your friends, my friends, all kinds of friends. Mm-hmm. That you're turning your attention from Donald Trump 
to Ron DeSantis. What the freaking frack is that all about? The guy is a dime store pal with all the charisma of a wet dish rag. Don, it's uh, weird. I'm older than you, but it appears I'm more interested in the future of the party and the country as well as the network. You were the perfect man for the job, which was taking Hillary Clinton out once and for all. And now that the job description has changed... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, please. Tell me about the future, please. All I do here, aside from playing absolute killer golf every day of the friggin' week, is think about the future, plan for the future, think about the people who screwed me over who are going to get theirs back in the future. But I will tell you this, Mm -hmm. I don't view the future as some time when I sell out to Disney and just wait around for Mickey Mouse's gay buddies to stand up for America. (sighs) Donald, don't get me wrong. I was a great admirer of yours, the way you commanded a crowd, the way you uh, set a national agenda, the way you crushed your opponents. Was? So, like, that's all still happening, but you don't admire it anymore? You know, I should know better. Yours was the network that made that Arizona call that started all this. That crazy guy doesn't call Arizona early. All our plans still have a chance to work, right? Donald... The guy was Chris Steyerwald. Right. We fired him. Right. What more did you expect us to do? Asphyxiate him in the third floor men's room and then dump his body out the window onto 6th Avenue? Now you ask. I've got news for you, my friend. The window's facing 6th Avenue. Don't open. Okay. Look, I know a guy who can fix those windows and it... Nah. Never mind. Obviously, you've got pressure from the few sponsors you've got left who think Ron DeSanta Claus is the sexy new thing. And by sexy, I mean, I don't know what I mean. I guess the company that makes the uh, hard-on pills, they know, right? They're all over your channel, those pills. What's with your viewers, Rupert? Donald, I've got much less important things to focus on right now. I got that database. Thanks all the same. I'm just going to go down to Nobu and hang out. Cheers. Next time, will there be a divorce trial? Will it be televised? Will it be on Lachlan's channel? Next time on Keeping Up with the Murdochs. And now, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. 49 years after 32 people died in a suspected arson attack at the French Quarter Gay Bar, the upstairs lounge in New Orleans, the New Orleans City Council formally apologized this week for the city's botched and callous response to the tragedy. After 90 minutes of presentations and emotional reflections, the seven council members voted unanimously to acknowledge official failures almost half a century ago. Quote, this devastating loss because the victims were gay men was shrouded with shame and silence instead of support and love, said Council President Helena Moreno. The victims should have received the solemn recognition they deserved and their families should have received an outpouring of support. While it was not done then, we want to take the opportunity to correct that wrong, unquote. In summer of 73, the lounge occupied second floor location in the French Quarter. More than just a bar room, according to the uh, New Orleans 
Times-Picayune, it served as a multi-purpose social center for members of a marginalized community. Gay men who might otherwise have lived much of their lives in secret could be themselves there. It became a palace of unspeakable horror on the night of June 24. A fire erupted in the stairwell leading up to the lounge. Dozens of patrons were trapped. Metal bars prevented escape from second-story windows. Charred bodies were later found piled up near the windows. Deadliest fire in modern New Orleans history. The history related in a book called Tinderbox. Monday of this week, Belgian Prime Minister Alexander de Croo recognized the moral responsibility of his country's authorities for the assassination in 1961 of Congolese independence leader Patrice Lumumba. Quote, I would like in the presence of his family to present in my turn the apologies of the Belgian government, he said. Lumumba served as the first prime minister of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. He was murdered by Belgian mercenaries the following year. His body was dissolved in acid and never found. In 1999, former Belgian police chief Gerard Soete admitted publicly to being involved in Lumumba's killing and and the dissolution of his body in acid. He also said he kept Lumumba's golden tooth and finger parts as a kind of hunting trophy. He died without being prosecuted. The tooth was handed over by Belgium's federal prosecutor to Lumumba's family this week. This came only days after the king of Belgium paid a historic visit to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, billed as a chance to build new ties after atrocities committed during colonial rule. The tie will be handed over later. Chief of the U.S. Forest Service apologized for his agency's role in accidentally triggering the largest wildfire in New Mexico's history. That's a blaze that's been burning since April. It's an old fire. I cannot overstate how heartbreaking these impacts are on communities and individuals, said Randy Moore, chief of the Forest Service, in a statement issued this week. Fire has charred more than 341,000 acres caused by smoldering debris left over from a controlled burn in January, said Forest Service officials. Climate change is leading to conditions on the ground we've never encountered, said Moore. The events leading up to the fire were nearly unheard of until recently in the century-plus of experience the Forest Service has in working on these landscapes. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham said she's deeply frustrated by the numerous missteps. Prince Charles has told Commonwealth leaders he cannot describe the depths of his personal sorrow at the suffering caused by the slave trade. Speaking in Rwanda, he said the potential of the family of nations could only be realized by acknowledging the wrongs that had, quote, shaped our past. Unquote. Charles added it was up to states to decide if they remained monarchies or became republics in the future. Very nice of him. I don't have to reign over you. I can just look at you from the distance. He also met Boris Johnson amid reports he was critical of Johnson's plan to um, send asylum seekers who arrived in England to Rwanda. 
He refused, did Boris Johnson, to divulge what he discussed with Charles during their 15-minute meeting, saying only they had, quote, a good old chinwag. Those of you looking for Britishisms, there's one. The Western Australia government has apologized to gymnasts who suffered alleged abuse and mistreatment. Really, down there. While participating in the Western Australia Institute of Sports Women's Artistic Gymnastics Program over a period of 28 years. Artistic Gymnastics. Is that like with the, uh, with the ribbons and the wheels and things? The... Um, Recreation Minister has also directed his department to undertake a comprehensive governance and culture review of the Western Australia Institute of Sports and establish a specialist child safeguarding unit to ensure the protection of children in all levels of sport. The unit was lauded as a leading step in the protection of young athletes in Western Australia. I wonder who would be interested in a job like that. The executive director of the North Carolina Apple Festival is facing criticism for a social media post that referred to Juneteenth as a made-up holiday. Sir, they all made up. <laughs> they all made up. David Nicholson, a former Henderson County manager, has apologized after receiving backlash for a post he made following a visit to a closed post office. He says he didn't know about Juneteenth, annual holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the United States. Facebook post, which has since been removed, said, Post office is closed today for some made-up holiday that I never heard of? Just when is the old fat white man day? I really want to celebrate this day. Seriously, I had never heard of Juneteenth until yesterday. Nicholson told the Times News of Hendersonville, North Carolina. I tried to go to the post office, and it was closed. I tried to be, I, trying to be sarcastic posted a note to Facebook. I certainly have learned my lesson and a lot about Juneteenth over the past day. As for the old fat white guy, it was just me being sarcastic. When I posted it, I had no idea what the holiday even was. Seriously, I had no idea. I certainly had no intention of hurting anyone. He posted a brief apology to Facebook. He was later fired from his job as the executive director of the Apple Festival. I'm sorry that I offended a number of persons with my post. I was trying to be sarcastic, and I guess it didn't work. I apologize, he says. And if you saw an alert from Twitter this week about its use of your use of its use of your personal information for tailored advertising, the alert links to a statement from the app is definitely worth reading. The alert is appearing within your timeline. It's a notice that Twitter may have served you targeted ads based on an email address or phone number you provided to us to secure your account, the so-called two-factor authentication. This alert then links to a Twitter Help Center article that reads like an apology statement from Twitter itself. Twitter reached a settlement with the FTC recently over its gathering and use of Twitter users' email addresses and phone numbers for targeted advertising. That personal information was provided by users to help secure their accounts, but without users' knowledge, Twitter also used it to serve targeted ads. Users' phone numbers and email addresses were not 
shared with advertisers. The statement ended with an apology to users and a pledge that things will be different when Elon Musk takes over. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time, same radio stations, or on your audio device of choice at your time of choice. It's all about choice, except at the Supreme Court. And it would be just like the Supreme Court not existing, if you'd agree with me. Then, uh, will you? Arnie, thank you very much, uh huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead. To Thomas Walsh, WWNO New Orleans, for their help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts before they're outlawed, and the uh, e- uh, the uh, music playlist for this program, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless. <laughs>